Greetings and salutations. This is the Untitled Josh Cast, episode number 47. My name is Josh Gershman. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Josh, Josh Hammond. Hello. Welcome to our weekly podcast of pop culture, news, politics, or whatever else we feel like talking about. To interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at JoshCastPod. You can also catch us weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitled joshcast. If you would like to support the show, you can subscribe to us on Twitch using your Amazon Prime account or via a regular subscription or on Patreon at patreon.com slash untitled joshcast. Now, back to the show. We are continuing our award season movie coverage and TV coverage this with this week's episode discussing um, some of our favorite movies or I don't say favorite, some of the movies that have impacted us the most from this award season, uh, as well as going through our picks and scores from last week, uh, which means that our extraordinary producers, Isabella and Lucy, are also here. Hello and hello. Hello and hello. So what I thought, there's like a lot of different ways to have this discussion. Um, the first thing I want to say about the award show. So the awards were a week ago Sunday. I thought it was fine. I thought Amy Poehler and Tina Fey did a great job considering the circumstances in their like socially distanced 3000 mile apart opening ceremony. I thought that was that was fine. They took like shots at the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which was um, funny and very self-aware. But is it going to change anything? Probably not. But the, the, the two of them are just funny individuals. So like it's hard for them to do a bad job at things. Um, I thought they just did a very good job. Uh, we were watching the show while I guess I was watching the show while we were just play, like playing video games. And um, I think a couple of us maybe had it on in the background. So we were talking about the awards like live as they were happening. Um, for the most part, other than like the couple technical difficulties, including on the very first award, it seemed like the show went pretty well. I'll be interested to see what happens with the Oscars in April, 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 in terms of what kind of virtual, how they're going to make that a virtual thing. I think for the most part, though, they did a pretty good job. Um, my. There's two like glaring mistakes by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Uh, one is in the best song. Uh, no, one is in best animated category and the other's in um, the other's in best international foreign film but i'll complain about that later no wait that's not true the best mm, it's in the song category the animated one the the uh foreign the i'm struggling with my words the best foreign international feature one was rigged from the beginning because it was always going to be minari spoiler alert because that movie should never have been nominated for international feature because it whatever uh it's best song that I have an issue with, even though I don't. It's you know, it's complicated. I have complicated feelings. OK, I have feelings and they're complicated. Let's do uh, let's go through. Let's start with the we'll start with the film half of the show. Uh, let's talk about the drama categories. 
and their winners, and then we'll discuss some of their picks. So the winner for best picture drama was Nomadland. For best actor in a drama was Chadwick Boseman. And best actress was, I have it right here, uh, Andre Day. Is it Andre Day or is it Andre Day? I feel like I always say Andre Day. I think it's Andra, but I, yeah. It's okay, I'll continue. Miss Day, if I'm sp- saying your name wrong, I do apologize. I watched your movie last night. You were outstanding, but I do apologize. If you want to come on Discord and hop in and join us on the podcast literally at any time, you are welcome to. If you want to play Fortnite with us on Tuesdays, the invite is open. I digress. Um, okay, I'll just let me share my thoughts regarding the drama categories. I did pick Nomadland. We'll get into the picks too, like as we go along. All three of us picked Nomadland, with the exception of Lucy, who picked the father. Um, Josh and you and Lucy picked Chadwick Boseman for best actor. I had picked Anthony Hopkins. Is you had selected Riz Ahmed. Um, and for Best Actress, all of us had selected or had picked Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Andre Day was the winner there. Having seen all three of these movies, I don't disagree with the winners of these categories. Um, what's funny about this is I just did the quick math. Before going into when we did these picks weeks ago, there are 37 movies nominated across all the movie categories. I had seen three of them. I have now seen 17 of them. I've been watching a lot of movies. You're, the face you're making is right now is the, the I've been watching a lot of movies. Um, that is and, just an overwhelming amount of movies. That's like more movies than I watch in a good year. Gersh. I know. I know. But like I was invested in this process. And the, for the most part, I wanted I wanted either justification for my picks I wanted to know I made the right choice or I wanted to be angry about something, which also happened, which I will get to later. Um, Of these three, Nomadland, Ma Rainey and uh, Billie Holiday, I have seen those three. Uh, Billie Holiday just watched yesterday. Uh, I don't disagree with any of the I don't disagree that they any of those three shouldn't have won. I was surprised that Chadwick Boseman won. Like that movie is that movie is based on a play. So like how you stage a play and film it is already a very different and unique experience in and of itself. And he is very good in it. And his role like turns from like hilarious to heartbreaking, like in less than a second. Um, I just I I didn't know what to expect before having seen it. And so I felt like. The elder statesman Anthony Hopkins was like my safe pick for that category. Um, having also seen Sound of Metal, I need Riz Ahmed more in my life. But I want to talk about that afterwards. What What were your guys's reactions either to those films in question or to who won and who didn't? I think my only real surprise was the lack of awards that ended up going to Schitt's Creek. I expected them to do better going into the last season because you don't really have a chance to reward them again later. Um, But beyond that, I think it kind of went with the exception of Hamilton getting swept. I kind of, it, it kind of went how I expected it for the most part. 
I think it's still hard because at least for like the main category to judge it because like some of the movies had not been released yet. Mm -hmm. So it's as much as I want to say like, yes, I understand why it was, why it won. It's true. But like, I can't compare it to some of the other movies that I also wanted to see and see how it would stand up to it. Like as far as uh, Andre Day's performance after watching both the movie that she and Viola Davis was in were in. I agree completely. I think Viola Davis was great, but I do think Andre Day took on a complete, like it was a much more in-depth character mm-hmm. and it, she, she did fantastic. So um, I agree. I don't think I was really surprised by any of it. I would just still like to be able to see some of the other things and then have an opinion afterwards. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think you talked about Viola Davis and Andre Day. So like in Ma Rainey, that's one day that that movie takes place in. And so like, again, it's based on a play. Those are the kind of like, those are the, the format of that play. And then subsequent film is how that's going to play out. Whereas Andre Day plays Billie Holiday over the course of like t- two decades. Um, and wow. I mean, I was just blown away. Like, yes, of course. Had I had that, well, first of all, they didn't come out until like two days before the award ceremony. Um, and so that was difficult for us, certainly, to make our make our way too early hot take predictions two weeks before that even happened. But just based on, you know, we basically based this on trailers and what we had seen. Um, but I think it was still that was still very fun to do. Well, this will also when we do this again, not for the next episode, but for the following episode for our Oscar picks. We will now have seen more of these movies and just more of them will be out there. And now we'll have like, oh, this person won this. So are they going to win again? That kind of calculus, which will be interesting to do. Um, those yeah, were- my only thought with the best actress for the drama was that I felt like we all made a very justifiable decision being like Viola Davis is a really talented actress. And I feel like you could stand behind that in any type of situation, mm-hmm. even if her performance or the setting of the movie was very odd. I think it makes sense that all of us were like, this could be a safe pick. You know what I mean? Just because of how astoundingly amazing she is. And she is. I think what's so what's what is so different, though, the trailers for that movie are very different from the actual movie. Um, And that's because, again, the movie a trailer has to do a certain thing, like a trailer has to give you two minutes of hype about this movie. Um, and it makes it, it makes it a list and not something different. It not, it doesn't make it something else. It just makes it something different. And like the impression that you get of Viola Davis, her performance in the movie based on the trailer, same thing with Chadwick Boseman, I feel like is more of the opposite. Like based on the trailer, I would not, I was not expecting the performance I got out of Chadwick Boseman. I got like he was acting for me personally and vice versa. Like I was just, I was expecting Ma Rainey, who's literally the title character in the film to carry it more than she actually does in the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredibly true of trailers. I think that after watching the sound of metal, like I, I don't think the trailer represents oh, man. that film even remotely how the film actually plays out. I it's, it's two different films, like the trailer version of the film and the actual film itself. They're, they're not even in the same Marvel universe, let alone like anything else. Like one is clearly DC and one is clearly Marvel. <laughs> just, it's, 
it's it's just not a good representation. I do that, think that. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was go just going to say that that I have. I think we could do an entire episode on trailers because I think it's fascinating, and I think that we got a lot out of like, hmm, did that one work out? I think that it is also true. The Sound of Metal trailer was very different. I care a lot, which we will later talk about, mm-hmm. was the biggest plot twist ever, and I think that <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings about it. But again, willing to do an episode on trailers. I think that's kind of when it came to coming up with like this episode or the hot takes episode, hot takes episode. um, I can't speak either. Apparently Uh, I think going into it, I was expecting to just initially go based off of my own thoughts. And then it was, let's watch the trailers and see how, how things kind of played out. And it was really interesting to see, if a movie, like if the trailer of a movie had any effects, so the same thing for like over the moon, over the moon trailer, I looked at it first and I was like, Oh, it's not a movie. And then there was a part at the end where I was like, wait, this looks really cool. And then when I watched it, I was like blown away. Like, I do not remember the last time that I watched an animated movie and left it feeling like, Holy shit, that was amazing. And that was my reaction the entire time watching that movie. So it, it was really interesting. I agree about being able to talk about trailers nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically for some of the ones that were nominated, it, it was interesting. Even like Emma, wh- the trailer of that, I ha- didn't really ha- have like not much of an understanding of what was going to happen in it. They didn't really explain anything really. Um, so watching the movie and watching it unravel was very different. And I loved that movie too. So I, I think it was an interesting way that we did this, but um yeah, I, I liked it. I liked yeah. the, the overall outcome. All right. I, I got to talk about Sound of Metal for just a few minutes. Um, I was that, that I I can't say enough good things about that movie. That might be that might be my favorite movie I have seen like this year and last year. Um, it was just so like I feel like I just got a lot out of that movie. It also, I never knew what was going to happen next. And like, not like in a, like Agatha Christie suspense way. Let's just like, I, I was so gripped to, um, to Riz Ahmed and his performance and like all the, like, I never knew it was going to happen. And I think that's a testament to Josh, what you were just talking about in terms of the trailer, like the trailer is very tropey in that it's like you meet, you meet a guy in the trailer. He has some like struggle some challenge and then you see him in the trailer starting to overcome said challenge and then the trailer cuts coming soon right so like that's the kind of that's like the 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 trope the path the movie follows essentially you meet his character in the beginning um lucy i know you haven't seen it yet right um you, I have not. so like you see that he's losing his hearing he goes to this place where he like is going to be like surrounded and live with other deaf slash hard of hearing people. And then you're just gonna like going to see what happens next. Um, it's just so good. Like it's so the things that that movie does are so like subtle and they, you, you have to, you, if you're not paying attention, like you're going to miss things. Um, See, the people outside your house, they're screaming right now. They're like, you got to watch this movie. Uh, There are pieces of that movie where you it just leaves you just like in the scene. Like there's there's a 
Part of what happens is that Riz Ahmed's character, whose name I am forgetting for some reason, he goes to um, Ruben. Ruben, thank you very much. Uh, he goes to live in this like house slash facility where other other deaf people are and like no one's talking in the house. Um, there's only there's one guy, the, the main guy who's actually like a real person who is running the place, who um, is a Vietnam veteran and does speak English like uh, this is a very like ableist thing to say, but like as you would expect somebody to speak English. Um, but he read lips. He reads lips. He doesn't actually hear what you're saying. He just basically is, is reacting to what he's hearing or what he's reading of your lips of saying. And so like conversations with him between Ruben and Lou, Ruben's girlfriend, like you can understand what's happening there. Um, there's a scene early. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Um, for context, the reason that he's there is because the facility is for addiction. It's basically a it's it's a addiction prevention house. And uh, at the time of losing his hearing, um, he has been sober for four years and there's a fear that he'll fall off the wagon because of the the loss of of his hearing. So this that's how he ends up at, the, at this place. Right. That's important context for the, you know, the other people that are there, too. And so there's a scene early on when everybody's around the dinner table and what you hear is based on what perspective the camera is showing you. And so when you are seeing through Ruben's eyes, you hear nothing. You're seeing the people move. You're seeing the people sign with their hands. They're seeing the people eat because they're sitting around a dinner table. Um, they're seeing like sometimes they'll like bang on the table because like that vibration is like enough to get someone's attention or like to get the group's attention. But you hear nothing. And then the camera changes to like a different a different view. And then you hear everything. You hear all the banging. You hear the clanging of the plates. You hear like some people that are like mouthing words and like, you you know, you kind of like hear some sounds and stuff. And it's just incredibly like fascinating and intimate and like closer in a way that you ever really get to movie characters because it's instant it's instantaneous how you know whether you are Ruben or whether you are the audience and like it just that those kinds of scenes blew me away and it happened a couple times in the movie there's a lot of really good insight into why and how that happened also a lot of the actors a lot of the directors a lot of the individuals involved they were picked on the basis of having actually experienced um, hearing problems in real life. Several of the actor's parents were deaf. Several of the individuals had worked in settings where they had assisted with, you know, facilities or things like that. So they were really conscious of working with people who had experienced this on a on an actual real life basis um riz throughout the film actually i was reading he, he while acting he wore um i don't know what they're actually called other than deafeners like they're pieces that you put in your ear so that your your hearing is actually destructed in a way that like you would experience the moment the way that you would if you did have hearing loss. So 
his reactions and his approach to things were genuine at the time. And it said that he left them in throughout casting so that he would experience it full time, not just when he was on set because he wanted to, you know, actually live in the moment. And I think that the approach to casting and the approach to bringing the actors into the moment or having them have already experienced the moment is extremely important. And it's the exact opposite of what Singh did where they tried to tell the story of something without using first person knowledge of the situation. I can't say enough good things about Riz Ahmed and this movie. Um, Darius Martyr is the right martyr. I want to say it was murder, but that, like, that doesn't sound like that would be someone's last name. It's martyr. Darius Martyr is the writer and director of this movie. And I was struck by how how much it reminded me of Nomadland. Like, I know Lucy and I have seen it. I don't know if you guys had seen it as well. Nomadland is going to win unless there's some random, bizarre uh, change of events at the Oscars, like best cinematography. Like it is stunning how that movie looks. Um, Sound of Metal reminded me of that because like the cam, like it just never stops. Like the, the way that the way the camera moves, the way it moves through scenes, like you're never, you're never like an arm's length away from Ruben um, and like into what he's actually feeling. And it, that's how it reminded me of a lot. Like in Nomadland, it's, you know, Frances McDormand's on, on, she's like in the frame for 99.99% of that movie. And it was, I felt, the, I felt the same watching this. Um, I, what well, I can't wait for whatever Darius Martyr does next. Like, I feel like this is going to be, I hope it is because I really love this film. I hope this is like the little unknown indie of this big shot director 10 years from now and be like, oh, hey, did you see that one movie that he did when he was getting started? Like I could start naming movies of like little indie movies of big time directors now. But I think you get the idea. Like this will be the thing that like Darius Martyr insiders will remember this movie. Um, You're hoping you're hoping this is his memento. Yes. Or I was thinking like um, Ryan Coogler and Fruitvale Station, his first movie with yeah. uh, Michael B. Jordan. Um, like those are like those are the real insider movies that like if you like that, that people know about. Memento is a really good example from Christopher Nolan, too, of like you could see where he got started and like why he's such an amazing filmmaker. It's just so good. And Olivia, um, Olivia Cook, who plays Lou, is just like, how did I never know who she existed before? Like, she is Artemis amazing. from Ready Player One. Really? Yep. Really? I'm kidding. Yep. Me. Okay. Well, that shows you how much I was paying attention um, well, to a, Red, Ready Player One was worth missing. No, I mean, like I've seen the movie, but I'd rather I not have seen the movie is what I'm saying. That's fair. So that makes a lot of sense. Moving on. We're not talking about that movie for all kinds of reasons. That's fair. I mean, um, before we move too far, yes. I have a, a thought. It's it's kind of an overall thought. And to be honest, like I had this thought and then Jane Fonda kind of stole it. <laughs> um, technically, I think that she probably thought of it first. But 
I saw her say it after I had written it down, so I'm going to take credit for it. Um, she talked a lot about diversity when she accepted her award and the importance of like, you know, how much further we need to go in terms of pushing the conversation forward in awards and all of these things. And there's more that needs to be done. And, but she did make an excellent point. And it's the point that I was going to try to make before Jane Fonda being amazing said it in front of 10 billion people before I could get to it. Um, it's that while there wasn't a lot of diversity necessarily in those who were nominated or those who were the actors or actresses or directors or producers or scriptwriters or whatever, um, there was honestly a lot of diversity in the films themselves. Like if you think about it, like Nomadland talks about it, subculture of humans that live in a way that's not necessarily you know conventional and there's a ton of films about race and race topics from Ma Rainey to Soul to Billie Holiday, One Night in Miami you know Minari, The Life Ahead The Trial of Seven there's strong women films and TV shows like you know Queen's Gambit and like Pretty Young Women and then there was a bunch of mental health films and like while I called it sing earlier, while music didn't do it correctly, like it is, you know, it is about autism. Sound of Metal is about, you know, disability and losing your hearing. Um, I know this is true, was the Mark Ruffalo winner that was about schizophrenia and dealing with that. So like, while we could do more to champion, you know, non-whites and non-males as nominees, there was a lot done this year to champion non-white topics in terms of and non-normal traditional topics in terms of what got nominated versus who got nominated. Yeah, I think that's I I, I agree with you 100 percent. Like we're getting so much. It's so much. It is much cheaper to make movies and TV shows. And so we are getting more of them. But that also means we're getting more of them from different storytellers and a more greater variety of them, too. And I think that's, that's just evident in the kinds of things we're seeing. What has been good is that we're seeing that um, all these things are getting recognized in a forum like this. All right, um, let's move on to the comedy categories. So best picture comedy was Borat, which was not surprising, although all of us picked Hamilton. I think I'm a little surprised Hamilton didn't win, but I'm not surprised that Borat won. Uh, best actor in a comedy was Sasha Baron Cohen. Again, I was not surprised. Uh, and best actress was Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot. Um, so as I said, we had all chosen, we had all picked Hamilton as best picture for best picture comedy for best actor. I had picked Sasha Baron Cohen. The three of you had uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And for best actress, um, Josh and Lucy both had Anya Taylor-Joy from Emma, which was a great movie, by the way. Like, I had not I had not read Emma before and I was not I'd like didn't really know that much about it. What a what she was amazing. Just amazing. Um, but she didn't win. Uh, I had chosen Maria Bakalova from Borat. Isabella correctly picked Rosamund Pike from I Care A Lot. Um, talk about a twist. That movie was very twisty to invoke uh, Detective Pikachu. Very twisty. Um. 
I was not expecting anything that happened in that movie to happen in that movie. And it it highlights like a very real thing about like elder abuse and um, like people getting power of attorney over others. And like that is a very real thing that exists. It's obviously like amped up, at least I hope so, amped up in this movie. Um, but. Is I know you have a lot of thoughts on it, I want to just before you get into those thoughts, because I want to hear them all. The movie I, I like I can't figure out if I like this movie or not, but I think like that's also kind of the point um, about figuring out whether you liked it or not. I don't know if I like the ending or not. I'm very conflicted about that. What I wanted more of was Peter Dinklage. Like I loved him in this movie and in this role, like he, God bless him, will be uh, will be a Lannister forever. But I wanted I just wanted more of him in life. And I, he was so good in this movie. I just wanted more of him and that character. Like he's just the scene in the parking garage in the beginning or like the first scene with him when uh, what's his face? The henchman doesn't pick up, um, doesn't pick up what's her name from their house. And like he arrives at the garage empty handed and like, oh, man, when he's eating the like the it's just, he is so good in this movie. I wanted more of him. Um, oh, man, I have. Uh, this movie took some twists. I want. I want you to tell me what are your what were your thoughts on this film? Um, a, did you feel validated by picking the winner months ahead, like two months before you see the movie? And B, what are your thoughts on this movie in general? OK, I'll start off with the pick, how I picked her correctly. I was beyond validated because I really don't think you get the complexity that she actually gave in her performance from the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn, OK. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I also want you to know, Gersh, that as I was watching it, Hamcat was in the other room and I was like, Gersh doesn't like scary movies, right? And Hamcat was like, no, not really. And I was like, he doesn't like plot twists or jump scares, right? He's like, probably not. And I was like, oh no, I'm so sorry, Gersh, watch this. So like, as I got more and more anxious, I was like, oh no, oh Gersh. So that was part of it. I did not expect, I don't want to spoil anything, but like just one thing, I did not expect a movie about a woman that was just like, trying to get her cash to involve the Russian mafia and then to like evolve into a death plot murder. Oh, uh, huh? Lots of thought. I just, I, I did not after the first like 40 minutes, every 10 minutes, it was a new plot twist and I was just not prepared for it. I was slightly empathetic to the fact that it was giving me anxiety. So it probably gave you anxiety. And I was also like, wow, my like random guess that she might win wildly correct that it was a more complex character than the trailer gave her credit for those are the that's the summary of my thoughts i think that's that that is a very accurate summary of just i think certainly my experience like it was yeah i was definitely not expecting that kind of a story you know like i understood it i understood the basic gist of it that this is this woman who basically created an industry out of um getting power of attorney over seniors and then using their money for herself, essentially. Uh, I, I understood all of that. Um, the trailers rightly obscure the actual plot of this film and actually what's going to happen. Um, 
I think it's this is one of those movies where you can't unsee it, right? And you also can't unknow about the movie. Like once you know that there is this whole Russian mafia Peter Dinklage <laughs> subplot, like yeah. you you can't unknow that piece of information. Um true. There was a really interesting article that I read about why Rosamund Pike's character has the vape pen the whole time. And like that was all in her own character development of this person. And that like uh, probably do the article a, a disservice. But it was that prior to getting into this business, she had started up like her own vape shop. And then like the Walmart of vape shops like pushed her out of business. And so by her having the pen throughout the whole time, that's like her sticking it to the man. Whoa. Yeah, it's very deep. Do you buy that? Do you buy that theory? I I mean, it's 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 an interesting prop. I'll give it that. You know? Yeah. And I definitely never, saw it functioning a different way. The, the thing about it though is they never talk about it. Like uh-uh. ever. Yeah. They never uh-huh. say like, "Oh, they, like there's Okay, the one terrible example. Have you ever seen the Johnny Depp movie? I think it's called The Tourist where like he turns out he's like a super spy the whole time. Anyway, he's on a train or a plane and he's smoking an electronic cigarette. And it's like it's like a 10 minute scene in the movie about like, oh, it's electronic. It's not real smoke. Like there was like they make a point out of mentioning this thing that he's holding in this film. They never do that with uh, they never do that. And I care a lot like no one ever mentions it. The um, the uh, her partner in the film never mentions it. Like nobody talks about it ever. So yeah, like, oh, okay. and it's never brought up like there's a weird context. Like she does it in very interesting, like she smoked or vaped or whatever inside the facility for the old people, right? Yeah. So like there's a lot of points where you know there's a juxtaposition because she's not supposed to be doing it. Lucy, go ahead. The the article, it was from something that she did with Collider when she was mm-hmm. speaking to them or it's, she told them in an interview. And um, part of it is, yes, that she had a a vape business until she was Walmarted out of the business. Um, and it said, quote, I think that that was her shot at the American dream played fair. Um, she had a small time business. She was a small time business owner. She got screwed. And then she thought, right, chips are down. I'm going all out. I'm going to play the system like everybody else. And I think every time she inhales, it's bringing that attitude to it. It's the attitude of having been screwed. And now you're out to screw everybody. Whoa. Yeah, it's very deep. Huh. I I took it much more like I did clearly did not see that in your view. I just took it as an indication of her like addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Like she's sort of like addicted to success and like she has these habits that she's very stubborn about, not willing to stop. So I thought that it was representative of that. One other side thought, and this is probably just a representation of the quality of movies that I consume, but I realized that I Care A Lot and its trailer reminded me of Identity Thief with Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy, which is a characteristically terrible but hilarious movie where you just are like, oh, Melissa McCarthy's scamming everybody. This is going to be hilarious. And I think I thought the trailer of I Care A Lot was going to be like, oh my gosh, she's scamming old people. Yes, can't wait to watch it. And it did not progress yeah. that way. I thought I thought going into it that I was going to find it a little bit more humorous in some parts. Yeah. And then the beginning of the movie, I just remember watching it. And the further we got in, maybe like after a half hour, that feeling kind of went away a little bit. But I was just angry the entire time at her because as things were happening, I was like, what the fuck? Why are you doing these things? And obviously, like she had like her reasoning, obviously wanted to get the money, whatever. 
but it just made me so mad watching it that it is something that people do mm-hmm. that I was just like, I, I can't. And then the more that the story kind of unraveled and everything else tied in, I was like, okay, I get it. And I mean, I agree about the, like on the fence about if you love her, if you hate it, because I think overall <laughs> I, I enjoyed the movie. I, a lot more than I thought I was going to, I went into it thinking I was going to like it from the trailer, but it was different. I actually left it wanting more. Like I wanted more things, not just for like Peter, but like I wanted just more of like the storyline behind it. I was like, why didn't they talk about this and this and this? But like, obviously you could only talk about so much within a short period of time. And they did have so many different plot twists. Um, it, It was it was great. I was not surprised at all when she won. I think watching the trailers initially, I was like, "Mm, this doesn't look like it's going to hold up. But then watching the movie, I was like, oh, shit. Wait, yes, it does. I I still don't think the movie as a whole, like, it makes sense why that movie was not like a winner. I I think her performance as an actor makes sense that she was complex and interesting. Great. I don't think the movie provides, I mean, I think it's purposefully trying to not be like, oh, here's a resolution. Be happy. All the old people are saved. Like, it was very deliberate that they didn't do that. I don't think the movie as a whole, I don't think I'll watch it again. Maybe once, but like it didn't give me that feeling, but I thought it was hilarious and very plot twisty. I don't know. I, yeah, I think we could, I think we'll, I, we could talk for, we could talk, we could do an entire episode about this movie because I would want to talk about specific plot points. Uh, what I will say to wrap this up is to the movie's credit, it doesn't mislead you when you actually start watching the movie. Like it starts off in court and then the scene that happens right after that with the confrontation with the guy, like the, the son of the, woman who they're talking about in that very first scene that tells you everything you need to know about the movie. Um, and so like the movie, once you start watching the movie, it's not misleading you about what's going to happen. There are still the twists and turns, but the movie is not the trailer. Okay. One tiny little detail. And I, I would add before we move on is I do think it was misleading. And the one way that it relates to Lucy's point that we are not taught that when a woman is threatened with murder, she would just, go to the police or like stop Mm. the shit she's doing. So I thought it was super misleading because I was like, go to the police or like, stop, this isn't worth your life. (laughs) So I think that like a lot of our human inclination, especially women, that was misleading. I I will give you that because the trailer does, the trailer does get into some of the more tense stuff that happens specifically with her coming out of a scene in which she comes out of water. Like that is a pretty like intense scene in the film. Um, I agree with you with, what we as humans would expect a reaction from a, a normal human to be. Um, Rosamund Pike is playing a version of a human in that movie. Okay. Uh, uh, moving on. Let's talk about the best director and best screenplay, which um, is a little funny for this group of four. So best director, Chloe Zhao won for Nomadland, which all of us picked except for Isabella, who picked Aaron Sorkin. For best screenplay, it was Aaron Sorkin, which all of us picked except for Isabella, who picked Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Um, What is interesting here is that um, these were picks, again, based on not having seen Nomadland at that point. We had all seen Trial of the Chicago 7. We watched that back in October when it came out. You can go back and reference episode about our... uh, Mike Modern, Aaron Sorkin, about that and the West Wing special they did for uh, HBO. Um, 
that I, I was never in any doubt for me that that movie was going to be nominated. And then it was, and then it won um, for the best director. I think we talked about this in October too. I think Aaron Sorkin's a fine director, but that's not what I take away from his films. You know, what I take away from his films are the performances and the writing. Um, which is to say, like, I was surprised that that movie was nominated for Best Direction. I would can, I would be surprised if that movie gets nominated for Best Director at the Oscars when, like, there are other movies that I have seen this year that were not nominated for Best Director that I question, like Sound of uh, Sound of Metal, for instance. Um, I am, again, like validated in my pick for Chloe Zhao because that movie is so good. And like she clearly has a vision and Joshua something or other, her uh, DP, who's going to win for best cinematography, unless like if I have anything to say about it, like they clearly have a vision for this movie. Um, and it was I feel like that was the closest trailer to movie experience for Nomadland. Like, I felt like I knew what I was getting going in and I watched it and I was like, I was I was like, this is a very good film and it looks like no other movie and it's very good. And so I wasn't surprised that that won for best director. Um, a modern Aaron Sorkin is episode 28 for those who are Thank looking you. for it. Thank you very much. And I agree with you as, I mean, I'm, we're going to ruin Isabella's life here as the social director who has made friends with every Aaron Sorkin media account on the internet. <laughs> But I, I don't think that that film deserves to be nominated over something like either Minari or The Sound of Metal. I think both of those films should be there in place of that film. I completely agree. I hope you know that hashtag Aaron Sorkin is a genius is going to be coming for you. You <laughs> won't know when, but they're coming for you. <laughs> That is uh, that's what we call a tease in the podcast business. Um, I will be very what will be this will be very interesting. Again, I keep saying about how much the Oscar picks are going to be interesting. There are just there are more and different categories for the Oscars, like best cinematography, which there isn't here for the Golden Globes for for screenwriting at the Oscars. There are two categories, original and adapted. And so like whereas at the Golden Globes, it's just one. It's just like they put whatever nominees in the same category. Um, this is actually the perfect segue into talking about the two supporting actor categories, supporting actor in a film and supporting actress in a film, which are not separated by either drama or comedy. They're just lumped. Everyone's lumped together. This is like more of what you get in like your traditional Oscar battle, because it's the nominees come from different, different places for best actor, supporting actor was Daniel Kaluuya for, um, Judas and the Black Messiah and best supporting actress was Jodie Foster for the the Mauritanian um, when we all picked other people. Um, myself, Isabella, and Lucy had all picked Olivia Coleman from The Father. And Josh, you had picked Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, which has gotten some like pretty good reviews. Um, it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. But I think, talk about Jodie Foster first. I think we were all surprised. One, because like no one's seen that movie. We certainly haven't. Like it's only in theaters. There's there isn't even like a VOD release date for that, at least as of the last time I checked. But it looks like a, it, the trailer for that is really interesting. About this guy who's alleged to be involved in 9-11 and is being held in Guantanamo. And it looks really fascinating. And Jodie Foster is basically this guy's attorney. 
Iz's take on Jodie Foster during the Jane Fonda speech is probably the greatest Jodie Foster take of all time. Her dog had a matching sash to her outfit. That was all I took from it. It was the dog matched. It was uh, the, her her speech was very good. And like her moment sitting with her partner and they have a little kiss at the end. Like mm. to talk more generally about the things I really liked about this year's Golden Globes were people's families and loved ones and whatever, just like hanging out. Um, Kate Hudson, when she was on screen because she was nominated in this category, uh, had like the entire Goldie Hawn family back there. It was just like 18 of them. Um, I loved seeing people's families. I like we can't go back from that. We can't lose that. We can't lose that for the future award shows. And then in Jodie Foster's case, it was just really sweet. Um, she's like, I feel like per, just a lifetime of underrated performances from Jodie Foster. My favorite movie of hers is, is contact. I don't know if anyone else has seen that movie outside of Josh. Cause it's a space movie. Um, but like, it's so good. And like, she's so good in that movie as like, the the very critical scientist and it's Matthew McConaughey's in that movie as like the Matthew McConaughey of that movie. Um, she's so she's so good. My point is um, Jodie Foster is great. She deserves whatever comes her way. I don't think any of us were expecting it, not the least of which is like we can't go and watch that movie. I want to watch that movie, but we can't we can't see it right now. Um, we'll see what happens where that gets nominated uh, for the Oscars, like if it's if she's going to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress, um, hopefully there will be a way to watch it by the time or like before the Oscars actually happens. Uh, for Best Supporting Actor, we all picked Danu Kaluuya. Um, Lucy and I happened to have watched Judas and the Black Messiah yesterday. Very good film. Very timely. Um, that movie and. So that movie is very much like like a cousin to Trial of Chicago 7 because it's about Fred Hampton and like Fred Hampton is in Trial of Chicago 7 as a background character. But then like his death in that film is very much a turning point for the trial or at least within Bobby Seale's version of the trial. And Bobby Seale makes an appearance, albeit via a sketch in the courtroom in Judas and the Black Messiah when um, J. Edgar Hoover is talking to his agents about what they're going to do about Fred Hampton. And so like you get this, it's very interesting that those movies came out together. Um, Judas was supposed to come out, I think early in 2020, it kept getting delayed. And then it was just like, because it was going to, because it was an HBO thing, it was, um, we'll talk about that in a second because it was an HBO thing. It ended up just being on HBO for a limited time, which is like still limited I feel like it's another week that it might be on there before it goes away. Anyway, um, there were some other very good actors nominated in the supporting actor category, namely. Um, I want to say uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Sorry, that's the only one I can think of who was very good in One Night in Miami. Um, but we all got that one right. Good for us. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought, but it's back now. Sasha Baron Cohen was nominated in this category for Trial of Chicago 7. And like this, um, his performance was very good. We're talking about Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda used to be married to the guy who Eddie Redmayne plays in that movie. I don't know if people know that. 
Um, the real life guy who he plays in that movie used to be married to Jane Fonda. Um, I heard that sentence as married to Jodie Foster. And I was like, this is just not lining up in my brain. I don't get it. Doesn't seem to. I don't. And then I was like, oh, he's. Oh, different. Just thought other, I had that dumbassery. The other J um, person. Yeah. yeah, it's not Jane Fonda. The Jodie Foster gets confused. It's Helen Hunt who gets confused with Lily Sobioski. It's those three. I know. I'm it just sounded the same with the J. It's, a, it's like a time loop thing. It's like, you know, in Looper, and, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis are in the same place, it's two people. It's the same person, but from two timelines. Like, it's the same thing with those three. They're the same person, but from three different timelines. That's what I'm, that's what I'm sticking with. Um, okay. Moving on. The last three movie categories. No, last four movie categories. Animated film, foreign language film, score, and song. Animated film. The winner was Soul. The winner should have been Over the Moon. Sorry. Should have been Over the Moon. Actually, I'm not I sorry. know I got it, and I'm so not mad. I'm just content that I got the point for getting it right. I totally understand why you here guys is, don't think it should have here, won. Here's the thing. I have seen Soul. Soul's a good film. When I look, when I, when I am like ingesting the category of best animated feature, what I am thinking of like, what is the movie that pushes the medium of animation forward? What is the movie that best represents animated features in this calendar year? Okay. You're making a face. I'm taking, you know what? It's I, fine. Just, I, just all- wanna, I just want to take a moment to just highlight how special a person Gersh is that that sentence of, you know, when I'm considering the developments of animation, I'm so serious. And I totally believe you put that much energy into like picking it. And I so respect that. I just wanted to highlight Thank the you. human I, that you are. Please I continue. love you with all of my being. I want you to know that. <laughs> Moving on. Thank you. When that's what like, when you watch Soul, it looks like a Pixar movie, which is no... That's not a slight on Pixar movies. What it is, is a comparison to every other Pixar movie. When B- A Bug's Life came out in 1998, no movies looked like that. When Toy Story and Wally and Cars, like when these movies were like the first, the first movies to do this in this space, no movies look like that. Now, Pixar movies look like Pixar movies. No movie I have ever seen looks like Over the Moon. No anime. I have never seen an animated movie that looks like Over the Moon before. Something is going on in our group text chat, and I'm afraid to look. No, All I see is laughing. Bug's life was older than me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, well, to stay, to stay on topic for yes, that. Yes, please. Um, I agree with you, especially with Over the Moon, because as as the Disney person in the group uh, or like the most Disney obsessed person in the group. Um, I have not seen soul, but I, I think you explaining or even just referencing a Pixar movie, you get an idea of what you're talking about. And I mean, I saw onward. I haven't seen soul yet, but I've seen clips of it over the moon was just different. Like I remember, I don't know, not even five minutes in, 
my initial reaction was, wait, this background looks fantastic. Like it looks so realistic. And then every like five or 10 minutes further, I was like, wait, this is so beautiful. And then there's a moment later on where there's like a performance happening and it was just visually, it was so stunning. And it was, I haven't seen a movie like that in a, in a hot minute. Well, for me, at least for context, over the moon, having that moment that you just described, shit, this is just stunning. It reminds me of exactly the way it felt to go to the theaters and see that leap that Disney made when they made The Lion King. Mm, for like, sure. The way that The Lion King was so different visually from every other film that had ever been made. And you were just like, holy shit. And then, of course, The Lion King did it again when it went to Broadway and you were like, holy shit, this is different than any other Broadway play has ever been. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's that where like, this is clearly one day going to be the ball, but right now it's so far ahead of everybody else that people just haven't figured out what to do with it yet. Yeah. I was really surprised, but I hadn't heard of this movie yet until we did the hot takes and I watched the trailer and I was like, huh, I haven't seen a single person talk about this movie. And then I watched it and I was just, I can't imagine being able to see that in a theater. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure I would be fully blown away by watching that in a theater because watching it in my living room with the lights off, but like my kitchen lights still on in the background. I was like, wait, no, I need to see this in like surround sound and dark, big theater like i just wanted that experience with this movie which again is not something that i can remember the last time that that happened with like it was just really beautiful and stunning and i'm even i think when i do see soul i don't think it'll change my opinion on that because i just it was far exceeded my expectations of this movie um if you have not seen soul my uh, not sorry if you have not seen over the moon Watch it, but pay attention to Feifei. That's the main character. That's the girl. Pay attention to her hair like that alone will blow your mind. And like, yeah, I'm not re- even being that's not sarcastic. It reminded me a little bit when Tangled came out. That was something something that people talked about was Rapunzel's hair because they had to draw these hundreds of thousands of strands for her. And that was my first thought when you had actually mentioned like, did like the hair thing. And it's true. The way that her hair is in this movie is, I mean, a lot of the little features that they had were just really spot on and fantastic. And yeah, I don't remember the last time that I loved a animated movie so much. We're I guess I have a question. Yo, for what, you what's, guys. what's your question? Since you loved it so much, and I clearly don't consume as much culture as you, on the scale of like zero to up, knowing that up is just like astounding to me, would you put it past up? I or would, would put, you it put it on that scale. Less heartbreaking, just as good. Yeah. 100% because there is still a heartbreaking element to it. This was actually something that we discussed uh, with somebody else and they had a death in the family and they were like, this is something that we would show like our nieces and nephews because it's a nice, it's a good way to deal with something like that. Cause it's, 
in this isn't a spoiler at all, but I literally walked away at one point to grab water and I missed this night to go back and watch it. There's a scene very early on where um, the little girl's mother dies and they kind of gloss over it. It's not something they focus on. It's a very similar scene to what it is in Up where there's that thing and they kind of just gloss past it. And the way that she kind of deals with it is not something that you experience until you get to like towards the end. It reminded me in a lot of ways like Up. So I think you would actually really enjoy it for those reasons. But it's also different because I didn't expect this going in. There was there were it was it was like almost a musical, essentially. I wasn't expecting there to be songs sung by the characters. I was expecting it to be like a regular movie. And it, in some ways, I was like, wait, is this a Disney movie? This isn't what is happening. And I, I was very surprised by it because, again, wasn't expecting it. But um, I think it's a really it's one of those movies that I hope over the years ends up getting more recognition because it was just I want to go back and rewatch it. I it, agree with everything you say, except that up glossed over it. Up punched me in the heart so hard that I still well, feel pain from it. Yes, the, the, yeah, glossing every over, day. <laughs> the, the glossing over part is the way that she dies. Because oh, in, in Over the Moon, the way that the mother dies, I liter- literally walked to my kitchen, poured myself water and came back and she missed the part where they showed how she dies. Yeah. It literally went from her being there. The next scene was just a picture of her. So that's what I mean by it, it kind of glossed over it. It was that's- not... That's fair. Yeah. I misunderstood you. No, I just, no. I still need therapy from having watched. Oh that. yeah. Like it, Jesus Christ. Up will still break my heart every time. Uh, fun fact: somebody talked about this the other day, which is still kind of sad. Um, it was a TikTok that I came across of this woman who works at Disney, and she was saying at certain places in either park, if you try to say that you want to leave a compliment, um, some places will say that they want that they'll give uh, grape soda. Um, compliment for it or grape soda pin and everybody was like what does that mean and it's in reference to up at the end where he gives the the pin to russell and it's meant to be like oh well they did such a great job like it's something to honor them by and i just thought that was the sweetest thing um but yeah i i think out of any i think story-wise very similar to up visually the last thing i could think of that was so vivid because it's very colorful was like Coco because Coco was very, it had a lot of parts to it where it was very dark. And then you had these bursts of colors because they were trying to bring in the culture in it. And it was kind of like that because this was still based on culture, but just a different storyline that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has a very Coco feel to it. Like both of those films color is like, it, it reminded me a lot of that. Um, you cut out after you said Coco. Yeah, what was the second film you mentioned? Rio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say as well. Like, the story of this film is also, like, really moving. You know, like, it's something that, like, the oldest cliche is that animated movies are for kids and for their parents. Um, but, like, the, the story of this film is really impactful and certainly, like, certainly hit me a lot. Uh while also just being in awe that an animated movie looked this way. Um, We're going to do this in two weeks and talk about Oscar picks. I'm telling you right now, my pick for best animated film is going to be this movie. It's not Soul. I know Soul already won and it might win. I don't care. Over the Moon is the winner. Um, The other award that Soul won 
the next category we're talking about is in best score. Um, I had picked Tenet. Josh, you had picked uh, where is score? Mank, which I haven't seen. Um, is you had picked Soul. Lucy, you had also picked Tenet. Uh, I went with Tenet because Ludwig Göransson is the composer and he's already won Oscars for Black Panther and I think something else, but he's also the composer of the Mandalorian music. It's just really good. And the score in that movie is another character in that movie. Like Tenet is so freaking weird and confusing that the music helps you kind of figure out what's happening, even though it is just as weird and confusing. And like that, I have watched Soul. There are a couple of musical scenes in it where like the jazz band is playing outside of that. I didn't take anything away from the score of the film. So like that surprised me that it won. I think Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and John Batiste are all three fabulously talented musicians. Um, but like in a movie that's quiet most of the time, it surprised me that the score for that film won. The only reason I picked it one, I mean, I obviously didn't watch any of these ahead of time, but I picked soul because I thought that there was a chance that the fact that the actual storyline was so closely tied to music that that might have influenced why they picked it because i mean i think the music plays such a different role in every film but i thought that there was a chance just because of how outright it related to music that it could have won that for sure i didn't know that um the one for tenet was also the one who did the score for the mandalorian right is that what you said yep yep I, i remember you mentioning this before um but I, it makes the most sense. And I didn't really choose it for any reason other than I watched the trailer and it's hard when it, and I, I mentioned this when we did the hot takes episode, it feels hard more than any other category to try and choose who's going to win for best score based off a trailer sure. because half of the time they're including songs. Like sometimes it could be a song from the end credits. Like that's not really helpful, but just watching the way that it, the, the trailer for tenant happened it felt like it would have like that essence to it that would kind of push it over. And I now understand with the tie into the Mandalorian, but um, yeah, that was initially why I chose it. So was a, a little disappointed, but also haven't seen soul. So I can't, I can't discredit it. All right. The last two film categories I want to talk about a little bit together, best foreign language film and best song. Um, best foreign language film. The winner was Minari, which the, which, Josh, you and I and Isabella had picked and Lucy, you had picked The Life Ahead. The Life Ahead was beautiful. That might be my second favorite movie I watched in the past three months after Sound of Metal. Sophia Loren is like manna from heaven. She's fantastic. She can do literally anything. And that movie was incredible, like really touching and moving and intimate and directed by her son, which like adds a whole like layers upon layers of complexity to this. Um, the reason why Minari, Minari should never have been nominated in this category. It should have been nominated in like best drama and best director and best screenplay, which I expect it to be for the Oscars. Um, flipping this into the best song category, which the winner was seen from this movie, which is the only thing this movie is going to be recognized for this award season, because the life ahead is not even going to be nominated in the Oscars for best international film. Like, how do you, how does that even make sense? It's not on like, the Oscars released the short lists for their categories uh, for some of them, not all of them, but for best international feature film. It's not even on here. 
So like it's not the only chance it has is that maybe the song again will be nominated for like um, best original song for the Oscars. But if just uh, I don't, I'm not I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know, I also really wanted Leslie Odom Jr. to win for the best song category um, because he and Sam Cooke in that film One Night in Miami is just fantastic. That's really all I have to say about that. I'm just disappointed that it's not even going to be nominated for best international feature film in the Oscars. Well, you'll be happy to know that the predictions have started to trickle out for be nominated and Variety actually has like done their article. And, you know, as you know, there are more nominations for best picture here than in the Golden Globes. There are nine versus five. It was five. five yeah. And Minari is on the list, which is great. According to the predictions, um, News of the World made the cut, which it didn't. Um, and One Night in Miami is there. Sound of Metal is also there. The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Nomadland obviously is there. Um, Promising Young Women remains on the list. And The Trial of Chicago 7. So the one that, from the list from before, that gets bumped is... um, Mank. Mm. Mank didn't make the cut, so it it got bumped. But I do I do like the inclusion of both Minari and the Sound of Metal on that list. Yeah, like I I, I don't know. I have a hard time sometimes with like what's deserved and what's earned. The Sound of Metal deserves to be nominated for that kind of recognition. Um, okay, before we that wraps up largely all the film categories in there were 11 or 11, 14. There were 14 overall categories. Josh, you and I and Isabella each had six correct picks. Lucy, you had five correct picks uh, before we get off of movies and move into TVs and we'll wrap that up. Um, I want to talk about two movies that were shut out completely. Hamilton and Promising Women which both I think have been talked about a lot more than they were recognized for. And Mank too. three movies that were totally shut out of uh, of awards. Hamilton, I was surprised by. Also, it's not going to be nominated at the Oscars because of some weird Oscar rule. So I was I, that was I like, oh, well, it's not going to be nominated at the Oscars. So clearly that's going to get something here. Um, but lots of people have been saying lots of things about promising women and Mank. Uh, but it was, you know, there can be only one winner for these awards. But it was just like of the movie. Sometimes a movie gets all the nominations and none of the awards. Um, and I like it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get to the Oscars and there are more categories like production design and sound editing and costumes and like all the other things that um, that might come into play for some of these other other films. OK, let's get into the TV categories, which I think we can get through um, a little quickly, uh, a little more quickly, a little quicker you know how words work. There are less, there are fewer categories. Uh, let's talk about, we'll do the drama ones, uh, together, just like we did for movies. Best drama series was the crown, which all of us predicted correctly, except for Josh who picked Ozark, which I'm not mad at because I picked Jason Bateman for best actor and he lost. So we were 0 for two on picking Ozark as winners. Um, the winner for best actor was an is pick from A to Z was Josh O'Connor from the crown. Uh, and the winner for Best Actress in a Drama was Emma Corrin uh, from The Crown. 
um, is you and I had picked Olivia Coleman, who was also a good choice, but uh, Emma Corrin and in her role as Princess Di uh, took the cake there. Um, I she I mean Olivia Coleman won the year before for the yeah. same nomination, so I can't be mad. I think that her performance was like one percent more important than Emma Corrin's, but I think the fact that she was playing Di so well and also hadn't won it the year before totally good with me what i thought was like i remember this moment distinctly from when we were watching the award show josh o'connor looked like he stood out amongst his other fellow nominees like josh o'connor is there like in his suit and he's like has got a black and white thing going on and al pacino's over here with like giant al pacino hair i'm like you could not have a more stark difference uh, in fellow nominees in this category um, I don't I don't have a problem with Al Pacino as a person. Uh, I just don't believe I don't want Al Pacino as a Nazi hunter. That's like that's not my that's not where I'm interested in. Um, happy for him to be nominated. Uh, in the comedy categories. Best comedy series went to Schitt's Creek. Uh, best actress in a comedy went to Catherine O'Hara and best actor did not go to Eugene Levy. Uh, instead going to Jason Sudeikis from Ted Lasso. Now, I have not seen Ted Lasso, even though many people have told me to watch Ted Lasso and I plan on watching Ted Lasso, but I have not lassoed Ted yet. So give me a break. OK, um, this was one of those situations where I really wished that I would have put him down yeah. because I had a feeling he was going to win something. But I just so badly wanted Chitz Creek to win. I I have to respect Jason Sudeikis, who's wearing like a tie dye hoodie in his house or wherever he happened to be during the award show, which was in stark, stark contrast to other people in like in dressed up clothes. Not everybody was dressed up, but like most people were in some like suit, tuxedo, gown, dress ensemble. Jason Sudeikis was wearing a hoodie, a tie dye hoodie, um, and he won. So like that goes to show you what dressing for the part will get you. Um, I have only heard good things about that show. Bill Lawrence, who is the like creator and executive producer and, of course, from Scrubs and Spin City and from a million other things, um, is just wonderful. J, uh, um, JD and Turk are literally on my bookshelf behind me. Like you'll you'll never like Bill Lawrence is great. I'm not going to take anything away from him. I wasn't expecting. I think it's rare that if like a, a new show wins its first win in its first year. Like sometimes it happens. Sometimes a show is like so out there and, and like that a show like the West Wing. When the West Wing was new, it won all the things. But like it was such a show of the moment. Whereas Ted Lasso is on Apple TV Plus, which like who even has Apple TV Plus? I do because like it got bundled in when I bought a phone. So like that's like the kind of experience that you get when for people that. Have. Anyway, um, I was surprised. I will watch the show. I'm sure I will love it. People who know me have told me I will love it. I have no reason not to um, not to believe them or love the show. You get the idea. But I was surprised. Uh, going into the supporting actor and actress categories, uh, Dan Levy uh, did not win for best supporting actor in a TV series, which we had all picked. And that's I was that's where I was surprised. Now, I love John Boyega. He he deserves like more respect than he gets in Hollywood. And I have not watched um, 
uh, small acts, the anthology series that he was in, but it's on my list. I was, this is where I was surprised that like Schitt's Creek didn't get that like halo last season effect where it was just going to win all the things, um, between this and Eugene Levy also losing. Those were surprises to me. Not that John Boyega wasn't well-deserved, not that, um, Jason Sudeikis wasn't a deserving winner, but like these, uh, these they, it surprised me a little bit. That's all I'll say about that. I mean, it is surprising considering that right now, and for lack of a better term, like Dan is kind of the princess of the internet. Like he's everywhere. He's just fucking just hosted everywhere. Saturday Night Live. He's everywhere right now. Yeah, like it's weird that he didn't get the get the love there. Um, looked great by the way. Was wearing a stunning suit. Did not win. That's okay. Um, yeah, there's there's never a moment that he doesn't look great. He is on the cover of Vanity Fair this month, week, whatever. It's downstairs on my kitchen table. It's like the Hollywood issue and it's this whole Same. <laughs> it's this whole fold out thing. And he's like on a pony in like a half black, half white. It's amazing. You got to look up this picture if you haven't seen it. Um, speaking of speaking of projects I cannot wait for is whatever he does next. Like he very much wanted to create Schitt's Creek and he got his dad involved and he got his dad to get Catherine O'Hara involved. And it was like the perfect storm of nepotism in a good way to get this show off the ground. And the show is great. Like Schitt's Creek is a fantastic piece of television. But now I cannot wait to see what he does next. I thought he was very cute in the Kristen Stewart movie. Um, I'm sure he's done other things like it. Uh, I'm sure there'll be like little bit cameos and things or other stuff like that. But like whatever he is going to do next and drive and create and like shape, that's what I really can't wait for. Um, OK. We didn't talk about supporting actress in a TV series. Because the nominees for this category are all over the place. Um, the winner was Gillian Anderson, because, of course, the winner was Gillian Anderson, which Josh and I both correctly predicted. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter, Annie Murphy, and I feel like someone else on The Crown was probably nominated. I can't remember. No, there were two. It's Gillian Anderson okay. and Helena Bonham Carter were the two competing Crown oh, people. That was this. That was um, uh, Kelly Cuoco was nominated for Best Actress. We didn't touch mm -hmm. on that. Um, she had a very funny post award show Instagram post of sitting on the on her floor in her big poofy dress eating pizza and other lots of fun things, I think. With her extensions pulled out. And yes. Heels on the floor. And I just, I love her so much. There was, I still haven't watched the show, but I love her so much and I can't wait to go and watch it. I am looking forward to it too. Um, recently in like the past week or two, there have been interviews and articles about her that have come out about Big Bang Theory ending. And that make, they, though they have made me much more interested in her not that I didn't like her, like not that I don't like her already, but she talks about and I don't I can't remember if these were old interviews that were like just coming out now or whatever. But she talks about how her and Johnny Galecki and the other cast members that weren't Jim Parsons were like. Um, totally caught off guard when Jim Parsons wanted to leave the show. And that the six of them, six of them, however many, the, however many actors, the main group that like they all had agreed amongst themselves, similar to like friends and like those other kinds of series that they all were going to like negotiate their salaries together. They were all going to do the show together and that they were all going to decide collectively when they were going to leave. Uh, and then Jim Parsons was like, yeah, I'm out. And so like, that was it. The show was over. 
Um, I really want to watch the flight attendant. One, to just support Kaylee Cuoco, and two, because she seems like a pretty cool human being. Yeah, she deserves her uh, her Reese Witherspoon moment. Absolutely. Um, the last three TV categories all get into the limited series TV movie, made for TV movie, made for Netflix special categories. Um, the winner of best limited TV series or movie was The Queen's Gambit, which we all correctly predicted. The winner of best actress in a TV limited series was Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit, which we all correctly predicted. And the winner for best actor was Mark Ruffalo, which I did not pick. I picked Brian Cranston because I love Brian Cranston. But Mark Ruffalo for um, the series, Josh, which you were talking about before, um, dealing with schizophrenia and him having to play two roles in this in this uh, series, one for best actor in a TV limited series or movie or made for TV movie or whatever the very long drawn out category that is. Um, that is the end of the TV picks. There were 11, as I mentioned. Josh and I both got six correct. Is seven correct? And Lucy, also seven correct. So we have some final scores here as we look to wrap up this episode. There were 25 total picks, 14 for the film categories, 11 for the TV categories. Three of us tied with 12 out of 25. One of us was the winner at 13 out of 25. Josh and Josh, both six correct picks for each category for each uh, half. So we had 12. We were two of the 12. The other 12 out of 25 person was Lucy Benetti, which means Isabella, our producer extraordinaire, was the winner of the Golden Globes pool. Round of applause, everybody. Thank you. The most culture averse member of this group (laughs) just managed to slide by. I would like to thank in my acceptance speech, my mother for never exposing me to any important movies. I would like to thank her for showing me that the bachelorette is just like the core TV show that you should follow. And for my dad who thought that movie theater chairs were too uncomfortable. So he never took me to the movies. Thank you all. And good night. Stunning. Stunning speech from our winner, our very gracious winner, by the way. Um, I think I was so surprised at how close the scores were, because in the movie categories, we were all over the place. Sometimes we agreed, but for the most part, we were all over the place. In the TV categories, we had a lot of the same picks. We all picked Schitt's Creek stuff. We all picked the Crown stuff. Um, There were times when crown people were up against each other. And so like that's where there were some differences. But for the most part, we picked the same things. Um, But I was surprised at how close the scores were on the because like some things were all over the place. Uh, We're going to do this a little bit differently in two weeks when we do our Oscar picks, because we're going to do them separately. Then we'll come to record and share our picks. Whereas what we did here is like we all just fed into the same Google Doc so that we could like see what everyone else was picking. And then we came and discussed. Um, is you're making it, you're not, you're shaking These your head. rules and regulations are going to put me at a disadvantage. And I'm already at a disadvantage because I don't watch 17 movies in three weeks. I will never win again. Um, this is my one victory. Look, this is, I'm not, I'm, first of all, I'm not going to take this away from you. This is a very real victory and you should cherish it. <laughs> also, you never, you never know what could happen. You never you still know. still end I up mean, winning in a landslide. True. I think the most hilarious part is that just to be an annoying, I don't know, like shit poster, basically, I flipped Aaron Sorkin and Chloe Zhao and I still managed to figure it out. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> That's the real win. Anyway, um, I'm excited to try. This was again. a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad that we did this and I can't wait to do it again. I don't know if we'll do it for like the Emmy. I don't know if we'll do it for everything, but we're definitely gonna do it for the Oscars because this is one. It just keeps creating content for us, which is just fun. Um, and it's a little friendly competition amongst us. Um, plus, I like when Isabella wins, there's like a different kind of energy, you know, like it's 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 a different kind of energy in the room, which I appreciate. I feel like that is the equivalent of my preschool teacher telling my mom that Isabella has a lot of thoughts and likes to share them with <laughs> others, <laughs> which was her son Bossy. I feel like this was the Gersh kind NPR voice way of saying when Isabella wins, it's just a different ball game. Um, I stand by my comment, but it is meant in a loving, uh, compassionate way. Thank you. Um, all right. Thank you to the three of you for playing along in our fun little game show. I can't wait to do it again in two weeks. Um, I can't wait to see how many more movies I'm going to add to my list by the time we get to the Oscars. There aren't that many that like of the movies that won the only the, there are a couple that I need to watch. Uh, Minari is like high on the list of things I need to watch. Borat, I don't think I need to watch that. Like I have seen the first Borat. I feel like I already know what happens in that movie. Um, I picked that movie based on reputation, not having seen it. Um, but the other things, um, there are other things I definitely still want to see. Hopefully I'll be able to see The Father before then and um, The Mauritanian and like other movies that I'm sure are going to be nominated that um, didn't get nominated for the Golden Globes that we'll add to the, we'll add to the list. Oh, all right. That's it for this episode. This is going to be a long one. That's okay. That happens sometimes. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, stay home. Watch movies and TV shows from your couch. Good night. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you happen to listen. Those things would really help us out. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at JoshCastPod and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitled JoshCast. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman, and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me, and it is produced by Isabella Stade and Lucy Benetti. The podcast intro music is Gemini by Alki, and the outro music is Cautious by Emerosa. Both appear on the Untitled JoshCast with permission from the artists. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled JoshCast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Ooh, I got to be cautious.